0: roundtable with Pastor Lou Wooten, Pastor Andrew Perkins, and special guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Dole Palowski, where we dive into the currents of the modern world and equip
1: people with the truth that sets us free. Welcome. A... As you can see next to me, except for those of you that are on the radio, <laughs> uh, that I have uh, not Pastor Andrew or Pastor Lou with me. So today uh, we have a special show uh, I have with me uh, here on KSLM, a 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. Uh, I have Ed Deal, Representative Ed Deal from the House District 17. Uh, Hello, everybody. And and I have uh, Carrie McQuiston, former uh, mayor of Baker City, and uh, former gubernatorial candidate, uh, who's also here.
0: Hi, good to be here.
1: Thank you. So Ed, uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to our audience because this is your first time on KSLM, I believe. Thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it. You're
2: welcome. So I am the representative, newly elected representative for House District 17, and that covers uh, East Salem through the Saniam Canyon. So the towns of Turner, Almsville, State and Sublimity, Lions all the way up through Detroit. And uh, I live with my wife in Sio, just out of Staten, Mm -hmm. and lived there 25 years, raised our kids there. And and it's an honor to serve uh, District 17. Thank you, thank you. Carrie. I'm up. Welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) Thank
0: you, it's really good to be here. So um, as Joel mentioned, I am the former, just finished being mayor of Baker City in the Northeast corner of the state. I ran for governor last year. Uh, Since the election, I actually put out a book. Um, I'm serving as senior advisor for Republicans overseas. And now I'm working with Joel on the Constitutional Carry Initiative. Yes,
1: it is a lot of fun.
0: Yes, it is. Never a (laughs) dull moment.
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, So we have a couple of announcements. Uh, First thing, uh, tomorrow, April 2nd, uh, Professor David Clements will be here at the River Church um, six to eight thirty PM. Talking uh, election issues and election integrity issues. Uh, he's he's a uh, the former uh, legal advisor to uh, CBS News, and so uh, he uh, he got in trouble on the night of twenty twenty, an election night in twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, and so <laughs> now he does talk about the issue where he doesn't get in trouble. All right. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, another big event coming up, uh, next week, uh, April 8th, uh, 12 PM in the Capitol mall. Uh, it were, uh, the huge Easter festival. Um, so this is open to everyone, tons of gifts and toys. Come, oh, give, ah, being given away. And, uh, as well as 20,000 Easter eggs. So bring your kids, um, wow. and there will be a cash machine for you to climb into and grab the bills. So good fun, good times will be had by all. All right, thank you. Okay, so um, you wrote a book. I did. All right, and uh, it's called The Government We Deserve uh, by Carrie McQuiston. It is available on uh, Barnes & Noble's uh, website. It's also available on your website, which is?
0: blacklionpublishing.com and lion is l y o n
1: l y o n yeah we're not mentioning amazon because we, we i ordered from amazon in mid february and uh, there's they sat on my order period didn't fill it uh in addition to raising the price uh, uh almost 20 dollars yes uh when it was uh, when it was released on february 28th so the book is out now, and uh, how, are, how are things going with the book?
0: Oh, you know, things are going very well with the books. But yeah, the Amazon situation was strange. So I've been in the publishing business since 2007. Mm-hmm. And I, this is the first time I have ever seen Amazon do something like this. Uh, the audiobook sales are fine through Amazon. The Kindle book sales are fine through Amazon. But the paperback and hardcover, they decided to almost double the suggested retail price. They placed an order, and these books are non-refundable. Yep. They are sitting on the books and not fulfilling the orders that have already been placed. Yes, it's odd. I can't help but think somewhere in there it's because the keywords in the text of the book mention Trump several times in a row. <laughs> well, I think they have probably true. flagged on that.
1: So. Yeah, we'll get flagged for that later in the show when we talk about him. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so what's your uh, what what's actually your favorite part of the book?
0: The photo gallery.
1: The photo gallery? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's awesome.
0: I like my book, but I like the photo the photo gallery at the end because it just shows the variety of people I met across the state. I tried to mention and pull in mm-hmm. all the individuals that helped with the campaign. You know, the good and the bad, the folks I met on the road. Yes. Um, I think I have a really good cross section in that photo gallery that kind of in the end just captured the, the flavor of the campaign.
1: I have to say, uh, so for full disclosure, I worked on your campaign mm-hmm. um, and... I got to meet a lot of really great people as well doing that. And um, I have to say, Ed, I didn't work on your campaign. (laughs) Okay.
2: Well, mine was a little (laughs) more straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, walk us through how your first
1: campaign went.
2: Yeah, it, it was my, this is my first foray into politics. I'd never been elected to Mm -hmm. anything. Um, So yeah, I, I entered the race in December and I had a primary opponent, Beth yes. Jones, who's great lady, and in fact, she's helping me on an issue right now. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so uh, she'd she'd entered the race uh, ahead of me um, on the Republican ticket, and but we worked it really hard, and it was we we did a straight up honest race, both of us did, um, and I came out ahead, fortunately. The uh, for the general election, yes, I. Uh, I actually won the Democratic primary as a write-in yeah, and the Republican. That. So that was a lot of fun, actually. I ended up with, uh, I think, 97% of the vote at the end of the day. Wow, those are like
1: Saddam Hussein numbers. <laughs> that's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> oh, sorry, not that comparison right there. Uh, yeah, yeah, those are, those are definitely Putinish ish numbers. Er, no, yeah. I can't do that yeah. either. No, that's I, really I did excellent.
2: have some explaining to do. Some people didn't yeah. understand. How can you be on the Republican ticket, I, I really don't know if I trust you anymore. I said, no, no, yeah. listen. And so once I explained it, I mean, people went out of their way yes, uh, to vote for me in the primary. They they trusted I'd do the right thing. And, and I was uh, really I can, humbled by that.
1: I can say you have been. Uh, appreciate it. I've gotten to know you uh, a little bit over the, the last couple of uh, months and through as the end of the campaign season and uh, i appreciate uh the effort that you're making in the legislature uh you're not sitting still which is awesome
2: i went in there to work yep and and my wife is by my side we are a team yes. she's my chief of staff uh nepotism in, in action. yes well <laughs> we love jamie anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we work together for mm-hmm. uh, over 16 years in our business we know each other really yes. well and so it works but It is a lot of work. I mean, you can go in there and and coast if you wanted to, but we went in there to get some things done Mm -hmm. and to fight the good fight, to put up a battle against some of the craziness that we're seeing. Um, And it is a a big effort. Yeah, this week has been a
1: very uh, busy week um, in terms of uh, legislation that's been coming through. (laughs) We saw um, House Bill uh, 2002 the gender-affirming uh, abortion bill uh, coming through and uh, testimony on that w- and so, for me was heartbreaking uh, that I saw.
2: It was. I'm on the committee, the mm-hmm. Behavioral Health and Healthcare Committee that heard that. And yep. uh, this has been a bill that I've been very active in fighting. Uh, and I've connected with so many great people that are just, c- couldn't be more opposed to the this bill. This is an abortion and gender-affirming Sanctuary bill, so uh, it is horrific. Yeah. So, uh, so like some of the st- the details,
1: which are which is where always the double yeah. is. Um, well, what are some of those?
2: Yeah. So let's talk on the the abortion piece. It's really two two awful bills all brought Rolled together. Born, yeah. Uh, on the abortion piece, you know, you'd think Oregon was already as extreme and and open to abortion as you could be. You can get an abortion in Oregon for any reason up to the moment of birth. There yes. are no uh, no constraints on that. This bill uh, expands because they want to make sure that rural areas can have easy access to abortions. They don't want you to travel too far to have an abortion. They protect uh, doctors from losing their insurance and mm-hmm. losing their practice if they practice abortion. Uh, it prevents local municipalities and, and counties, for example, from making their area, say an abortion-free area. Uh, so like a
1: common sense sanctuary.
2: They, that would not yeah. be allowed. There'd be yeah. penalties for that. Wow. I think the most egregious thing though that this bill does on the abortion piece is um, you can now get an abortion at any age without parental consent or knowledge. So like a two-year-old. Well, if two-year-olds could get pregnant, <laughs> Yes. But, but, but you know, I'm being a 12 or 13 year old yeah. can can uh, go get an abortion uh-huh. without any parental consent or knowledge. Think about what that does to open up for child trafficking. Yes. For sexual abuse. It's horrific.
1: The, Salem is the number one child trafficking city well, on the West Coast.
2: And there there Canada. is no requirement to, and, and what happens, what people on the other side don't understand, when you make a bill that says it doesn't, require parental consent the signal to the medical care professionals is we won't give we won't even seek medi- uh, p- parental consent yes it becomes yes. the exception to talk to the parents
1: not the rule and and then so, you end up with uh, you know an adult who in a position of authority talking to a child talking to and, a child. and telling them what to do yeah yeah
2: and the <laughs> I, I don't know. I Just thinking about it horrifies me. <laughs> um, the, uh, the other piece of this mm-hmm. bill, there, we currently have in statute, uh, it is against the law to conceal the birth of an infant. So say there's a birth uh, of stillborn wow. infant or mm-hmm. of whatever uh, uh, infant dies. Yes. Could be infanticide. It is now illegal to conceal that they're repealing that law. Why in the world would you repeal that law? So it would so if a child dies, so if a child dies in birth, in birth or there's an infanticide, it can be concealed without any repercussions.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um So, yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I don't really have much to say I, other than I'm
2: speechless when I Think of the elements uh, of this. It does leave you
0: speechless. All the elements of that are just promoting murder.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's. uh, Yeah, this is the this is the child. uh,
1: um, This is the Child Rape Protection Act. It is is kind of how I think about it.
2: This is, uh, you know, the supporters of this bill believe they're protecting children. This is harming children. They're not. Think about if a if a young girl goes in and she, without her parents' consent, has has an abortion. Be it. You know, with a pill or, or via medical procedure, uh, and she has complications. She comes home. Yes, her parents don't even know she went through this horrific thing. Yeah, and nobody's there to console won't her. To tell them. No, nope. either. Yeah, they don't even yeah. know. She could have, she could hemorrhage. Who, who knows? And yep. so where, uh, where is the care in that case?
1: Right. Where, yeah. Where's the post-op care? Yeah. yeah. To to
2: use the medical term. And they yeah. they really don't have an answer for that. They don't have an answer for the sex trafficking risk. No. Um, it's designed really so somebody could bring their child from Idaho, have an abortion, or or a sex trafficker could bring, bring a it. child from Idaho. Yes. Have an abortion, take the child back.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm reminded of the, uh, of the original acorn sting done by Project Veritas now over a decade yeah. ago where they went into Planned Parenthood and uh, pretended to have an underage <clears throat> prostitute uh and said where do we go get an abortion and they were given all the details of how to keep it out away from the parents and how to keep you know it all down and this just puts into statute uh a process that used to be you know kind of under the table this pulls it right out into the open and makes it so that uh you cannot uh avoid seeing it no No. wow this is super dark
2: It, it is it is dark um the other piece of this mm-hmm. is with the gender affirming treatment yeah so it's interesting that they tagged this onto an abortion bill and the reason they tagged it onto an abortion bill is because it is wildly unpopular for with democrats and republicans ah, so yes. they provide cover by putting it in with an abortion bill that what this does is it it mandates that insurance medicaid <gasps> and <clears throat> uh private health insurance cover Gender, what they call gender-affirming treatments. Now, hmm. currently, uh, Medicaid is already covering it to yes. some extent. Yeah. Uh, so is private health insurance, but this greatly expands it. We heard in the testimony that uh, Oregon follows this international standard called the WPATH standard. I I posted on my Twitter feed the full list of of operations, uh, surgeries that are covered under WPATH, and it. I'm not going to get into them on the. On the radio, I don't know who's listening, but uh, it is it is a laundry list of things, uh, top and bottom surgeries. Let's leave it at that. I'll I'll list one of them. Uterine transplants are on the list of medically necessary gender affirming treatments. Now they're experimental right now, uh-huh. but the idea is that if a adult male says they're transgender, mm-hmm. uh, they can receive a uterine transplant at some point when the doctors uh, feel like they're ready to do that as medically necessary. So are they <clears throat> going to rearrange the bone structure of these uh, You got these me. Guys? I mean, that's just one yeah. that I feel comfortable saying on the radio. There's a bunch of other... Yeah, we're on YouTube you, you as can, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, if your child wants to be a eunuch... Uh-huh that is considered medically necessary care. Uh, That
1: was, yeah, done for harem guards in the past. But anyway.
2: Um, Um, Yeah, yeah. and I'd add that where, uh, as I've dug into this issue, I've Mm -hmm. talked to a lot of parents who are very concerned. I've talked to detransitioners. Yes. I've talked to therapists, doctors. We are doing a miserable job of adequately identifying who needs this care and who doesn't. And what happens in the process is we're harming a lot of kids. A lot of them are ashamed and afraid to speak up. Oh, yeah. The parents yeah. will not bring it up. To, I've asked them, why don't you report this to the medical board? They're scared of losing their kid. Yes. In, in this state, you can, in, in some circles, you can uh, go in and simply say, I'm transgender, I want hormone treatments, and they're given to you. There's no mental health assessment. There's nothing. Uh, Planned Parenthood at 18 doesn't even require a medical or a mental health assessment. Wow. They follow something called the informed consent model, basically, which basically means if the kid says they're transgender, they're transgender and the, uh, that's, the yeah, that's medical transition than, than, can begin.
1: Then the COVID uh, shot. Yeah. When it comes to informed consent, <laughs> that's for sure.
2: So it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable and uh, we're fighting it with everything we got.
1: Amen. Well, more power to you, Ed. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, you're in Oregon politics and Carrie's in Oregon politics, and so am I. Yes, you just are. Just in a different way. I'm the chairman of the Marion County Republican Party, in case anybody doesn't know on this show yet. <laughs> All right. Um, and so let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, that and how uh, we think we should be moving forward in Oregon And some of this stuff, uh, you had a bunch of suggestions in the back uh, of your book, Carrie. And, and that's my favorite part of the book, uh, because I like solutions. Uh, I don't like problems.
0: Well, in all seriousness, the best part of this book is that I got to see Oregon politics from behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. That's the subtitle. Yes. And <laughs> I saw things that people typically are not... Almost allowed to talk about. There's a muzzling effect that happens when you're running a statewide campaign. Yes. Things you're supposed to say and not supposed to say, and ways you're supposed to ha- behave and not behave, and that's just not out there. And it needs to be because mm-hmm. the general public, they see these things and they suspect they're happening, but they never get that verification. So first, I I lay all of that out in the book, and then when I get to the end, I come to a checklist of solutions because what good is it to reveal all of the problems if you don't at the end say hey here's how we fix this
2: so so yeah, this I'm is the book up my book here yep the government we deserve do we have yes. the government we deserve right now
0: sadly i believe we do
2: we, we yes <laughs> and that's yes, a we hard, do. that's
0: a hard pill to we got swallow yeah the one we yeah yeah okay. because some of us you know that's part of the blurb on the back cover i don't believe i personally deserve <laughs> that
2: government Me but, either.
0: but when you look at a society as a whole in general the government we have is very indicative. It's reflective of people.
1: Yes, and we vote we or don't vote. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, if you don't vote, uh, you are voting. Yes. Okay.
0: You're affecting um, the system regardless.
1: Because the system is designed uh, for votes. And when you, when you pull things out of the system, you affect it as well. Uh, in the last election, for those of you that are not paying attention, uh, 180,000 Republicans did not vote statewide. Okay. Those are registered Republicans, not conservatives. Um, And as a result of that, uh, the governor's race was lost by Mm 45,000 votes. Measure 114 passed by 24,000 votes. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that 180,000 people had gotten off the couch, gone to the kitchen table and voted, those things probably would be different. It would be different. Uh, and in your case, in the legislature, Ed, um, we would have a majority if we had
2: 6,800 more votes, mm-hmm. roughly, uh, across six districts. Yeah, we lost uh, house races by under 200 votes. Yes. It is so close. We, we are, that, that's the crazy thing in Oregon. We are a deeply divided state, but when it goes to the left an inch, yep. it, it goes a mile. Mm-hmm. And being in the legislature, I, I see this in action. We have actually a lot of moderate, I'd say moderate Democrats. Mm-hmm. But that caucus, that party, is driven by a far left group. Uh, and and you <laughs> the message is don't cross them. Yeah. If yeah, you cross that group is famous. If you cross the retributions, group, you will be primaried. Yep. Your favorite bills will not be heard. Yep. Uh, you will lose your committee positions. They are brutal. So I've had bills that I thought, you know, I I had, do I have a moment to talk about a couple? I, yeah. Okay. Um, I have one that's uh, it's a public pension protection act. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, we, we have a lot of retirees in Oregon. We need to make sure that pension is protected from activist investing you've heard about this ESG ESG spending. investing yes so this bill simply says hey you know you can't follow an ESG investment strategy unless it's in the fiduciary interest of the fund it doesn't say you can't it just says hey it's got to make financial sense yes um, I had people tell me you know that's a good bill Ed I can support that and then a few days later come back and say uh, I can't support that bill yeah. I can't support that bill. Because, you know, someone gave them the talk. Because some, someone gave them the talk. And, mm-hmm. and they had another bill in there that would, uh, would have forced us to decarbonize our investments. Basically get out of anything related to oil and gas. Things that actually show good returns. Yes. To divest in that. The best, all I can say is uh, both bills were neutralized because they wouldn't vote for the bad bill but they wouldn't vote for my bill either so the, the I, I guess so the maybe de-carbonization
1: I the, bill kinda, yeah. yeah well if we can yeah. if we can put up a, a good bill and cancel a bad bill with it I consider that w- yeah. work well done yeah yeah it doesn't get out into uh, the public though very much uh, what happens in the in the legislature no. and and that's one of the one of the things that uh, we need to to work on uh, as we communicate, with the, our voters uh, you know and our fellow Republicans and, and everyone else in the state, uh, it is always important to me that uh, things be broadcast in advance that we don't you know do everything behind the scenes and then just come out with this is the a fait accompli answer. Um, and from my point of view, when I looked at the, the governor's race last year, that's what it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. all right. Uh, Your thoughts on the issue?
0: I have lots of thoughts on the issue. (laughs) Where would you like to start, Joel? Um, I know you you mentioned... Start with
1: the media and how it was covered you.
0: Well, that gets complicated there. So in the beginning, you know, when I started... Mm-hmm. Our little rebellion over in Baker City against the mandates, uh, we had pretty <laughs> good media coverage because we mm-hmm. went national first, it, it blew up publicly, and then it came back to Oregon and the Portland media covered it. Yes. Uh, when I first joined the race, got involved, they they covered things. But there was a point uh, about a month right before the actual primary mm-hmm. where I went into an absolute and total media blackout in Oregon. You'll see a cutoff point where I was no longer covered in the media. Yes. I did. I didn't get. Uh, I wasn't allowed on the debate stage. Yep. I didn't get surveys that would go in newspapers. There was nothing. We we tried to go around that and go national yes. and then come back, but by then it was too late. And the, these media sources, we had two two large candidates forums, gubernatorial mm-hmm. candidates forums. We had, I think, KPTV and and Coin, and yep. it was like the ever moving goalpost when it came down to that. It started out, okay, you need to raise a certain amount of money and have a certain amount of donors to make it on the debate stage, which I did. No yes, problem. you did. I was polling ahead. I was doing very well. Met that threshold. They moved the goalpost. Yes. Raise the amount of money, Raise the amount of donors. I still made it. Okay, so then they moved. Okay, we're going to remove the in-kind donations, which are volunteer hours, things like that, which are not direct cash infusions. Yes. So, okay, I did that too. <laughs> Kept meeting that. And so finally at the very end before the cutoff, The TV station said, I think it was COIN, $750,000 cash donations. Meet that or you're off the debate stage. Boom. And the pushback from the public on that was so swift and severe that they actually canceled that debate.
1: Yes, yeah, I remember that.
0: So the the next TV station steps up and they have a little bit different uh, point of view, a little bit different approach. They're going to do polling in addition to the donations to get you on the stage. Mm -hmm. I thought, great, you know, I'm meeting that, no problem at all. So the polling firm that they hired, and this is probably where the the spoiler is, and I spoke out very loudly at the time. You did. The polling firm was owned by a lobbyist whose clients donated to only one of my competitors. So that right there is a little bit sketchy. That should be a very big conflict of interest. The poll that was done, in my opinion, was not done correctly. I think we had maybe 160 people statewide in that poll respond, and that determined who
1: would be on the debate stage. Yes, it did. It did. I remember digging into uh, that poll slightly and uh, because there were no internals published with it. Mm-hmm. It was only headline numbers. Uh, and then after the debate, they published the internals. And that's when we found out that uh, it was actually 36 votes. 36 people uh, made the decision on all of the candidates mm-hmm. that were on the uh, debate stage. Not, uh, yeah. So, you know, at that point, it was uh, call somebody, you know, and get them to vote the way you want. It was dirty all the way across. Yeah. It was absolutely Uh
0: corrupt, and it blocked the candidates who are grassroots candidates who have been polling ahead, who had gotten on the ground and done the work. It blocked that entire slate of candidates. Yes. And the most frustrating part, and I add this in the book also, is I'm watching that debate with the candidates who are up there on the stage, and I'm watching the feedback on Facebook and social media, and it's comment after comment. Where are the good candidates? Is this all we've got? Where did everyone else go? Mm -hmm. And I am thinking in that exact moment, okay, okay one of those folks has just won the primary yes. which means that we've, we've lost the general yes and so I actually start writing this book right after the primary before the generals even happened and I knew how it was going to go I could predict it clearly and so the introduction the first couple chapters I wrote back uh, right at the beginning of June I believe so
1: and you were right I was right yeah fortunately, they yep. control the narrative in so many ways yeah and that's one of the reasons why we do this show uh, and we do other communication because we have to get out and uh, get people more informed. When uh, so, I just have to ask you, Carrie, on another one: What was it like to meet Eric Trump? He was great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, so
0: that was at the the Reawakening tour. Yes. And prior to that, it, it, several weeks ahead of his, his being announced as a guest speaker at that tour, yeah, we knew he was coming, and it had taken just a little bit of time to to get a, a an interview a meeting mm-hmm. scheduled with him. It took several yep. weeks and I didn't know for sure that that was going to happen until maybe a week or so prior to the event and we waited in the tent and waited and waited and his schedule was running late and we were told to go sit here in the green room at, at one point point. Yep. and he's like, okay, he talk to us through his people. We're going to make this up to you. Uh, I know that we can't have the half hour meeting or so that we were going to do. I'll make it up to you and so sure enough, we're sitting there in this tent and Eric Trump and his security walked through. And what he had done to make it up to us was clear everyone else, else out in the schedule so that he could walk across the tent. And the first thing he did was give our Oregon's National Committee man to the RNC Solomon You big hug, got him in a bear hug. Yep. And then met me. And you were there, Joel.
1: Yeah, I'm the one that took all the photos. Yeah, he was <laughs> back
0: there with the camera. <laughs> and so we got to have a little discussion about what it would look like to flip Oregon red and yes. to have a Republican governor who could then potentially campaign for his father in, in Oregon and have it be a friendly landscape. I mean, that would have been lovely.
1: Yeah, so. we could use a Trump rally here. Yeah. That would be awesome.
0: It would be great. But yeah, very, yeah. very good guy, very easy to talk to. And I think at that point is when I realized how Donald Trump's children have been affected by all of this, by the by the Trump derangement syndrome that you see across the country, mm-hmm. the hatred, because they're caught right in the middle dealing with this too. Oh, I'm sure. It's affected them and their families. I mean, they did not need this. They could have gone off with their money and their business and operated successfully and been happy doing what they're doing, but they've chosen to jump in.
2: I'm pretty sure this has cost them millions of dollars. Yes. To go through this. Yes.
1: Yeah. Easy. Easy. Yeah. This is, uh, when you you get into politics, especially uh, at the local level, Um, most of these jobs are, are volunteer jobs. They're not paid or if they are paid, they're paid very, very little money and you do not, uh, come out, you do not profit from them if you, if you will. Okay. The, the folks, uh, who get on the water board and get on the, uh, school board and get on the local fire district boards, you know, my hat is off to them all because those are important positions, uh, and they're basically unpaid.
2: Yeah, and they are a lot of work and sometimes mm-hmm. there's there's no glory in it, right? Yeah, if you're yeah. in uh, the Salem Kaiser School District,
1: uh, so a friend <laughs> of mine uh, is Dr. Shachak Um, And yes, I did practice that name. Thank, <laughs> love you, Satcha. Um, he's been on the the, the school board uh, here in Salem Kaiser for a while. yeah. and <clears throat> wow, he is uh, he's a, he's an Indian immigrant. I've met him uh, and he's Very a nice great guy. man. Uh, he's been called every name in the book, and I won't repeat them here because we don't need to give that any voice. But he is still standing. He's running for reelection, uh, And we also have Cassidy Trout, who's running for election, and Chrissy Hudson. Oh, Cassidy. I don't know Chrissy. Yeah. Uh, you'll get to meet her. Yeah. Uh, they'll both... Uh, you, uh, well, if you come to the, the Central Committee meeting on uh, this month, Yeah. on the third Thursday, uh, Republican Central Me- Committee meeting at VFW. shameless plug... Um, so we'll have uh, Chrissy Hudson and uh, hopefully Ed. You'll be able to be there and plan uh, on it. get a uh, give us an update on what's going on in the legislature. So we've talked about books. Um, we've talked about horrible legislation, <laughs> and my list just disappeared <laughs> you off. You know, my while phone. you're doing
2: that, yep, I, I've talked about this a lot on the campaign trail. We mm. we've nationalized our politics so much. Yes. You no, know, you talk to my friends, you go have a beer somewhere, and everybody's talking about what's going on nationally but if Mm -hmm. you want to take your country back yes it starts with your school with your town with your county that's where we have to we have to do the battle where we have within our realm of influence Um, so instead of getting frustrated serve on the water board yes serve on the school board get involved in your city council you can make a difference there um, and, and build it out from that so I feel pretty good about some of the things, you know, there's some great people running for Salem Kaiser schools. And I, and I know, and I have some friends who served and it, it was a miserable job. Like you say, they got mm-hmm. nothing but heat for doing the right thing. So it takes a special person to do it, but we have to do it.
1: Yeah, and we, uh, we do everything we can to support them, uh, which is uh, conservatives in general are more worried about, uh, and they can serve. And they're, you know, more focused on their own family and their own uh, and their own job and etc. and that kind of stuff. And they usually uh, keep the the politics at arm's yeah. distance. Okay, I've had that conversation. I don't know how many times now, where someone said, I, I I say to someone, well, you know, when you vote, and to go back to what I was mentioning before, <laughs> if you vote, you you exercise your voice. If you don't vote. Okay. You leave the vacuum for someone else to step into. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's how we actually make the changes. Uh, Carrie, you mentioned uh, the initiative that we're both working on. And so here's the shameless plug for constitutional <laughs> carry for Oregon. Take it away. The shameless plug. Okay. I'll start there then. Yes.
0: Yes. So uh, Joel, a lady named Jean Sampson out of Clatskanie, yes. and I, used to be city councilor, and I, Mm-hmm. Uh, with the help of our treasurer Carol Williams so yes. we we've got the dream team going together here uh-huh. uh we've decided from the grassroots to start a constitutional carry initiative and this has been a fantasy for years <laughs> for for me in Oregon and we talked about it uh, during my campaign yes we did and so we started this uh, we filed it we are in the step where we have to gather the first 1000 sponsorship signatures
2: mm-hmm.
0: we're coming in the home stretch on that i think we need a couple hundred more probably
2: where, where can i sign uh, I have it right back okay. here. Okay, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: We'll catch
1: that. <laughs> yep.
0: And so we get those, we turn those into the secretary of state for validation. And from there, the secretary of state turns it over to the attorney general. And that's when we get our ballot title. Yes. That's when things are going to get a little sketchy. I suspect maybe not, maybe it'll go smoothly and we'll get the ballot title. It'll be good. We'll get our new petition sheets and on we go.
1: Well, we're, we're going to be fine.
0: If not, then we go to court, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll be there for a month or two. I hope that doesn't get a good
1: lawyer yeah oh uh yes so we consulted with two very excellent constitutional attorneys when we did did this uh you you know them uh and i don't i don't i haven't actually gathered permission to use their names no
0: let's not do that so i'm not
1: (laughs) doing that but uh the yes and this is this is the changes that we need to make so only in oregon can the Uh, or I should say only the people in Oregon can change the Constitution of Oregon, all right? So, and that's why we wanted to make this a constitutional change rather than a legislative fix. Uh, And doing the research for this initiative, uh, all of the legislative fixes for constitutional carry to make that enable... Uh, always had a million carve outs for all kinds of little exceptions and then you had to have you know the the exception for the uh, police officers and you know and retired police officers and you know and then there were other other ones for locations and all kinds of craziness when you do it at the constitutional level you end up with one sentence and it you know it says that you may carry without a permit a concealed weapon
0: and that's all we did it was so it. simple we added one sentence to amend the Oregon mm-hmm. constitution there's no confusing our intent. There's no complicated wording. It's one sentence.
2: Hopefully that will help the process of getting the wording right on the petition because you know how that how that can be so distorted. Yes. Uh, we've seen yes. that
1: play out. Yeah. I, well, knowing our attorney general, we might end up with a ballot title of something like give all the crazies guns.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you can kind of see it okay, coming. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So, but,
0: yeah. Go to constitutionalcarryfororegon.com. That's yes. our website. It's all, all right. up and running. Uh, if you can't get to a signing location or or can't find a, a ten sheet or ten signer petition sheet, download the single signer sheet and mail it in.
1: Yep, mailing address yep. included, postage not. <laughs> yes. Um. So let's uh, let's jump over to uh, uh, another a bill that was just passed, um, and that's House Bill 2001, and the it's uh, matching Senate bill, um, and that pat that added uh, 200 billion.
2: No, No, 200 200 million. million. Sorry, sorry. Yeah,
1: sorry. Um, Yeah, I knew I was wrong as soon as I said it. 200 million to the homelessness uh, and and partially homed. I don't know exactly how to say this, uh, Bill. And it's funny to me as this, as we've seen more and more money be spent on homelessness, uh, it's always based on housing. And, uh, you know, just uh, some interesting numbers have, You know, come out. Portland itself has spent one point seven billion on homelessness since two thousand fifteen. That doesn't count the state money. I have no idea how much the state. It's in the billions.
2: Uh, You know, there is a thing called the the homeless industrial complex. Yes, there is. (laughs) I have talked about it before. (laughs) This is a business. Yeah, they're building an industry. Uh, They're building an industry, and there's a difference between shelter. And housing, and I think everybody would agree. Hey, you know, we need to give somebody a temporary shelter. uh, So, and and everybody wants to help people better themselves and be productive members of society. Yes. But taking somebody who's sick and mentally ill and drug addicted and putting them in a home and letting them you haven't fixed anything. It does nothing. Yeah, letting them self medicate with fentanyl. Letting them self medicate. Yeah, Yeah, you haven't fixed anything
0: the most yeah. successful missions and shelters in Oregon do not take a dime of money from the government. They take private donations yeah. because they can control the process. And then they actually get homeless off the street. State of Oregon never does that.
2: Yep. No. Uh, and yeah, there's a, there were two bills actually, I think it was 5019, which is the homeless package. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, this housing package, which was the 2001. Yes. And, uh, I voted against both of those bills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that even the housing package, we need to have more homes in, in Oregon, in Oregon. And and for, for middle-class, for working folks to be able to afford the problem with that bill is it, it didn't really fix anything. If I want to see something to give localities, municipalities, cities, more control over uh, their urban growth boundaries, how they build out their communities, let the community decide that. But in classic Oregon fashion, yep. Uh, it was just more dictating from the top. Yeah. Telling right. the cities, here's how you can grow. Here's what we're going to let you do. And if you don't do it this way, uh, we're going to make you do it this way.
1: I like uh, one of the portion of the bill um, that said a population of 10,000 cities. Yeah. And so um, if you haven't read it, Carrie, the, uh, yeah. have you?
0: No, I have not read yeah. the full okay. bill.
1: Okay. All right. So it it tells you if your city with 10,000 people um, that you can that you have to follow these rules and there will be punishment involved okay it's if actually
2: punishment yes. if you do not follow it yes oh, that's what I couldn't get over yeah. yeah and it is severe
0: so baker city would have to lose 300 people somewhere and <laughs> that's exactly the puni- to to avoid
1: what will punishment. happen when we see this yeah. pa- it, when they, it's in position yeah exactly
2: wow. they yep. did remove some yeah. red tape yeah but the idea is that the state will go and do a survey and, and tell Baker City, mm-hmm. okay, this is how many more homes you need. And then the city can put a plan together. They give some leeway to the city, what that plan looks like. But then the state says, okay, now execute that plan. And
0: it's financially impossible.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is, this is like the state's solution to, to um, the, the, the famous fire, <laughs> fire map. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's and, a nightmare in you and of know, itself. That is on, on hold. It's on hold. Uh, but cool. we saw, we saw, that it's, so I was, uh, in terms of the Beachy Creek fire in 2020, I was 300 yards away from the evacuation line or less, actually. Um, and there were fires within a mile of my home. Uh, all of them were put out by volunteers and uh, the farmers and ranchers that were supposed to evacuate. If they didn't, Mm-hmm. You know. And this is your area, Ed. So oh, been, I know some of those paying, farmers paying who put those fires yeah. out.
2: Yeah. But yeah, Oregon's <coughs> Oregon's classic uh mm-hmm. deal is a top down approach to every problem. Yes. And then that creates more problems. So then they need another fix to that. I'm seeing it in epic form uh on the healthcare side. Yes. Uh we have a Severe nursing shortage in the state, but I can look back over because years. Forced vaccines. Yes. Well, we we Among canned other other a lot of uh, good nurses. Yep. Because of those mandates, uh, over the years we've restricted uh, nurse education. Who mm-hmm. can who can set up nursing schools? We make it very difficult to to bring nurses into the state from out of state. Uh, and so, what's the answer to that? To have another law that mandates. Ratios between patients and nurses, it, it's just... Which means we'll just have less patients. It, it makes no sense, yeah. but that is mm-hmm. uh, a classic top-down fix to a top-down created problem. That's what we're dealing with. I have a bill that would uh, allow nurses from other states to practice here to honor their licenses. Yes. It's called an Interstate Nurse Licensure Compact. <laughs> 90% of the nurses in Oregon want this bill. 90%. So, of course, the Oregon Nurses Association mm-hmm. is opposed to it. Supposedly, they mm-hmm. represent those nurses, but they're opposed to it. And since they're opposed to it, not one Democrat will vote for that bill.
1: The beholden to the uh, various unions uh, that the Democrats are. I, is, um, there you go. I have been yeah. shocked.
2: I, I knew it was bad, but yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was. Uh, the SEIU, very similar story. They do not represent huge swaths of the SCIU is
1: one of the major sponsors behind ranked choice
2: voting. They okay. they do not represent their their yeah. constituents and I have no idea why their constituents put up with it. If they knew what was going on in the Capitol with their money. Oh yeah and the and the issues they're supporting.
1: Well I that's why we have you on me so away. we can talk about these <laughs> things. You know? Uh, yeah and we don't uh we don't actually get enough from our uh legislative liaisons as well in terms of you know, communication out. So I'm going to ask for more on that. Yeah. Because uh, it is important for us to, if you want to change out the legislature and uh, longtime incumbents that are there, you you really need to know what they're doing. So you can talk about what it is that they did their last you know term and then uh, ask the people that they're supposedly mm-hmm. representing whether or not they want that to continue.
2: And I, I'll tell you, it is is—it <laughs> uh, is a tough battle day in and day out and they're listening mm-hmm. to these bills and listening to these agencies. Uh, and I can think specifically of all these efforts for what they deem, what they call equity. Yes. And who doesn't believe in equal access and, and equality and equal opportunity for everyone? But that's not what they mean. That's not what they not e- what they're,
0: Equity and equality are two different yeah, things. They are two yes.
2: different things as they, yeah. as they use the word, but it permeates everything we do in oregon and it it is i'm trying not to get beat down (laughs) i keep fighting it every every chance i get and uh i'm making people uncomfortable oh good Good. you can watch the videos (laughs) it's all it's all recorded yeah on all these hearings
0: i think you'll get used to the abuse as you go yeah
2: so we uh thank you sir may have
1: another uh so we now have we have our second example um, so we had the the FTX donations to the Democrats here in, in Oregon. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be completely partisan on this one. Uh, they uh, they took over $14 million to candidates in the last cycle and half a million dollars to the Democrat Party of Oregon. Uh, and they have refused to return the money that was stolen from FTX investors. Yeah. Uh, and now we have uh, brought to you from the Willamette Week um Oregon's power couple of cannabis oh yeah okay the uh, the article here goes into great detail I might add and you know you're drawing uh, you're drawing the ire of the left side of the spectrum when the when the Willamette week is coming out against you and exposing <laughs> you for your corruption uh, this couple is millions in arrears in taxes and uh, in payments to vendors but they still had the money to donate to Tina kotec and uh shima fagan and the democrats uh in the caucus their caucus uh both senate and house and this is not going to change until we have a um uh, we expose this kind of stuff
0: exactly as
1: what it and so ex, expose away <laughs> expose <laughs> away you know i'm trying <laughs> yes um so we mentioned, uh, as we get down towards the end of the show here, and I'm going to, I want to go national just for a moment, uh, because we saw in, um, last Tuesday, we saw a horrific tragedy happen in Nashville horrific. and, uh, the, uh, Republicans in, in the legislature uh, attempted to address those safety shortfalls here in Oregon, uh, and were voted down, uh, by the Democrats. But there were Democrats who voted for the legislation on every single piece. I can do the math. There are not 30 uh, Republican legislators in the uh, in the Oregon legislative representatives. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, yes, but so, we're gonna keep it short. <laughs> yeah. The, what they did is they they played a game. Yep. They let some vote yes to protect their turf. Yes. But they didn't let enough vote to allow the bill to pass. So these were bills, mm-hmm. for the most part, that were never going to see the light of day. They were never heard in committee. Yep. They were absolutely make our schools safe. And the, and the sad thing is, those bills, you saw that tragedy in Tennessee. These bills would have prevented that tragedy. Yep. If they would have been implemented. Yeah. And and uh, they played this game to make sure that those could never see uh, would vote. Would be voted down. In fact, they had a Democrat who voted down his own bill. <laughs> wow! Uh, I well, you
1: know, you gotta you gotta maintain the power. That's yeah. one of the, that's one of the things when when you see the way they operate, and and you are getting to see that. Um, and I lived in and worked in the Washington. I didn't live in Washington, but I worked in that environment. Okay, the last four years, I was in the Army at Homeland Security. And you, when you get the, when they come to give you the team speech talk, you know, you got to be a team player. Okay. That's so you don't, you know, ru- cause any waves. And the second one is the one I call the talk, which we mentioned earlier, which is yeah. like, you're getting on board or else. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've seen at the national level, what or else means. Okay. With the uh, indictment of uh, President Trump. And when you were there at his uh, announcement, Carrie, mm-hmm. yes. uh, were you expecting to see an indictment?
0: <laughs> I think he was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just from from listening to things, I think that was expected. It was yeah. preplanned. But you know, going back to the announcement, there was nothing but positive in that room. Oh yes. Yeah. So th- the tone of it was beautiful. It was held at Mar-a-Lago, and I think about a thousand people were in the room at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was actually um, with Solomon just uh four or five six rows back from the podium right in the middle and got to see and hear everything it was absolutely an amazing experience but he knows that he's going to continue to be attacked i mean they're targeting him to get him out of the way because he's standing in between that corrupt that that corruption and us yes and if they can do that to him look at what they can do the average citizen who doesn't have the means to fight back
1: it's scary and the uh, uh, um, there's also a federal grand jury mm-hmm. That is, and and a grand jury in Georgia, I believe, as well. Um, And so as we uh, go down this road, uh, I just want to mention that uh, in the last uh, decade, there have been uh, two countries uh, in the Western Hemisphere that have uh, indicted a presidential candidate. Uh, One is, of course, the United States, and the other was uh, Daniel Ortega, the communist leader of Nicaragua <laughs> indicted his presidential candidate uh, hmm. opponent. So uh, that's the club that we're in now. Um, and this is not a, a, a Rubicon I ever wanted to see crossed, but I think we have at this point. And if we do not uh, figure out a way uh, to legally and peacefully uh, constrain the abuses that we see in our legal system, uh, we're going down a very, very dark path. And
0: it's very dark. And the other thing that's concerning about this is they have essentially stripped away president Trump's ability to a fair and effective legal counsel. Yes. Because now they're compelling his attorney to violate attorney client privilege to testify against him. So wow. I, I disagree yes. with that ruling yeah. for you know obvious reasons, but that that's a line you don't want to
1: cross. Yeah, they I have. was uh, I was listening to Tucker last night, and uh, he had Harmeet Dillon on, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I've she had a chance was to talk to her a few times. Yeah, and yeah. she uh, was mentioning that uh, if the case goes uh, as per perform, um, the judge will issue a gag order on Trump, and depending on how broad that gag order is. Uh, It will probably, most likely, affect his ability to campaign. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. You know. I mean,
0: this is how republics are taken out. This is how republics fall. And we're seeing it right now. It starts with election integrity and the ability to have a fair and honest election system and it moves into the justice system. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now.
2: Boy, we are. I'll say, despite all that, crap yes we can still take Oregon back we absolutely
1: can and that's that's why we're doing the constitutional carry initiative yep Uh, that's why we're still on here talking uh, and that's why we're out registering Republicans uh, in every place we can find and if you are not engaged uh, I implore you to get engaged and to find out where we're going and there's my timer Um, you might have picked it up on the microphone uh appreciate everybody uh coming in today this has been thank you fun. It was a lot of fun and uh thank you for uh, carrie mcquiston oh, and your you. book the government we deserve uh representative ed deal uh, i don't have a book you don't have a book uh, but we'll work me. on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everyone, and have a that blessed That does it for
0: day. this episode. And Bye. if you're interested in connecting with a community of like-minded people, please go to our website at www.therivernorthwest.com facebook or download our trc smartphone app from the apple app or google play stores if you like what you've been hearing today i encourage you to go to wherever you're listening to this and leave us a review so we can make the show even better for you thank you for listening and as always speak the truth in love